Okay, we are just going to go straight into Q&A with Toby and Mike. And so if you have questions, you can text him. We already have a couple. And then um, at 12, we will go for lunch or if we're running out of questions. So coming up and I'm going to ask you stuff. You can sit down in the high chairs. <laughs> it doesn't sound right, no. So, uh, after taking a drink, so one of the questions I got was, which uh, which job did you choose of the three, the carpenter, the uh, oh, so I know this doesn't do anything, but it's for the recording. <laughs> for the recording. Feels funny. So I chose Carpenter. Um, I can't say exactly why. It seemed like fun to work outside. It was in high school. It was a great opportunity to um, get really in shape and tan and also make money. So I'll be honest, it was a superficial decision. But um, it, has, it, has worked, it has been great. I mean, throughout every, every home I've owned and, and other times I've, I've used those skills and and so, yeah, it's, I would encourage you to learn a trade if, if there's still time. Okay. Uh, this question is for Toby, and it was from last night. Um, as Christians, what is the place for subterfuge, especially in the workplace? Uh, I'm not sure I know exactly what that's asking. Um, like... So I guess I'm, I'm taking that to mean like subverting, uh, being sort of subver subversive in some way. Um, so I would say you want to define, would want to define that really carefully, but there's obviously one sense in which um, we're Christians. And so um, to the extent that the workplace and the culture around us is, um, serves, um, the devil serves the flesh, serves the um, uh, powers of darkness. Um, our whole purpose in being there is to subvert all of that. So, um, so there is something deeply subversive about being Christian in the public square and in the workplace in that um, you serve Christ. Um, and, um, and I, but, I would, but I would point to examples like Joseph in Egypt um, Daniel and Babylon, um, as examples of godly, uh, subterfuge uh, of godly, um, subversiveness where it, they're not, um, they're not actually like hiding it really. Um, they maybe can't always explain it and the people around them don't always understand it. Um, but they're fairly open about, I serve, I serve God. I serve God, the King. And so there's certain lines that I won't cross, but I'm serving God the King for your good. So when Joseph was in charge of everything in Potiphar's house, Potiphar was the most successful businessman, you know, in Egypt. Um, he had the falling out and ended up in jail. And then he starts running the jail. And the jails, like the most, you know, organized orderly jail that Egypt's ever seen. And then he's promoted to the right hand of Pharaoh and Pharaoh sees the wisdom in Joseph and puts him in charge of everything in Egypt. And he's you know, the prime minister of Egypt, basically. 
And, and so, um, you know, same thing with Daniel. Daniel's drawing lines, making distinctions, saying, I serve God the king. I serve Jehovah. I don't serve your gods. So I'm not going to bow to your gods, and I'm not going to compromise that at all. But, every, but Daniel is serving God the king in Babylon for the blessing of Babylon. And to the extent that the king listens to Daniel and his friends, the king in Babylon and Persia later are blessed. It goes well for them. And at points, they see that, and they recognize that, and they say, y'all, everybody needs to worship that God. Everybody needs to follow that, uh, Daniel's God. Um, and at other times, they don't, and it, goes, it doesn't go so well. So um, in a sense, it's all subversive, but it's subversive in obedience to God, um, not just uh, for kicks um, and not, not just to be a troublemaker, um, and it's, it's sort of an open subversiveness in the sense that it's, it's not a secret. Like, I'm following Christ, and I want to see, um, I want everyone to know Christ. I want everyone to bow the knee to Christ. And I think um, my serving Christ and um, your serving Christ is for our, all of our best interests. It, it serves all our best interests. It's the, it's the best, it's the most successful business model. Um, and so that's why. So hope that answers that Okay, I guess, yeah, we'll do one for Mike here. Um, since there is a lack of properties, would you say that we should also be focusing on building new houses? Seems like especially in Moscow, small homes or multi-space rentals, duplexes, triplexes, etc., would fill a big need here. Um, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I, one of the reasons, though, to um, not to pour water on somebody's fire because I think there are great opportunities. But one of the reasons why we're not seeing that happen as much is uh, our, well, a couple reasons. One, cost of labor and availability of labor. Um, it's really hard to find contractors, qualified workers right now. Um, and so we're not seeing a lot of building going on. And two is, um, get on my hobby horse a little bit, um, is ridiculous government overreach. Um, Honestly, it's the cost of permitting, <laughs> the cost of permits and, and the regulation and, and Moscow kind of trying to keep things small has really made that a challenge. Um, that being said, there are definitely opportunities. Um, I think that if you can find, it kind of goes back to what I, I mentioned briefly, value investing. If you can find a lot that has some value built into it, um, it's going to be hard to build a lot of value into the construction unless you can do a bunch of it yourself. But if you can find an underpriced lot, um, build some value in that way, I think there's, there's definitely some good opportunities. Moscow's, it's, it's kind of funny. One of the reasons why our, our um, property values are growing so much is that we're in a, it's a bit of a catch 22 size town. We're growing, um, but we're really not growing that fast. Um, however, we're, so we need more homes and more homes aren't being built, but larger kind of value add tract home builders look at Moscow like, well, the only way we're interested is if we can build 200 homes in a year and that would saturate us for quite some time. So it's, we're in a bit of a catch 22, um, but yeah, I think starting to think outside the box, look at places where you can build, or one of the things, if you look over right behind MZ, um, when you leave, you'll see some of those big duplexes built out behind other homes. Um, that's a great opportunity. Infill development where you can buy maybe a hidden lot 
um, by finding some of those opportunities, again, then you're building the value in essentially the free lot and can take advantage of it. All right. Uh, we have a follow-up question for Toby. You were saying be like Joseph, but how do you be like Joseph uh, if you're a woman? Is this, is this in relation to the previous, the, the previous question about being subversive? Um, uh, trying to understand the question. So, I, I mean, I, th I think the principles basically are the same. So, um, if you're a woman um, in a place of work, um, what you want to do is use your gifts in obedience to Christ to win um, those around you to Christ and bring the maximum amount of blessing on the business you're working for. So the, the subversiveness is the sense that um, you work for Christ and so you're not just working for um, the dollar. You're not just work, working for your boss. And that means that Christ's word trumps everything. Um, but again, as, as the case, um, as it turns out, since this is God's world, it really is best for everyone. So. Um, I'm not sure there are enormous differences other than what I said last night, which is I, I would urge all of you to think in terms of I'm a man in a workplace. And so I want to work as a man. I'm a woman in this workplace. I want to work as a woman. Um, and I work unto the Lord and I'm working um, in order to build a house. Um, and um, and um, so I think, I think many of the same principles and then they maybe get fleshed out in slightly different ways, but I think it would, um, roughly the same. I hope I'm getting that question right. Okay. Um, I have another question for Toby. How would you define made in the image of God? I've heard it defined as rationality, the ability to reason, but what about the mentally disabled? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't think that it can be reduced uh, to rationality or reason um, because, yeah, the um, I believe that the unborn zygote is made in the image of God and um, the mentally disabled um, all the way to, um, uh, you know, old age, uh, uh, someone with dementia um, is still made in the image of God. Um, so I think it's um, uh, more uh, complex than that. If I had to uh, define it in some way, I guess I would say that um, being made in the image of God is being made um, with the peculiar abilities um, and faculties for worshiping God, um, to uniquely worship God. Now, there's all of creation praises God. All of creation gives glory to God. But we were made specifically to give glory to God. We were made to reflect God and reflect, um, and in so doing, give praise to him, glorify him. So, um, so I, I would, and I think that includes often rationality. We worship with understanding, um, but it also includes creativity, for example. Um, God is a creator, and so we create. Um, God is a storyteller, so we tell stories. God names things, uses language, and so we are communicators. We use language. We name things. This is the first thing that God has Adam do, um, is here, I just named a bunch of stuff. Now you do it. You use language as well. Um, so I think it's a combination of all of those things, um, uh, language, um, uh, uh, wor uh, worship, uh, creativity, 
um, and so forth. But I, if I had to reduce it to something, I would say it's, it's a unique ability to give praise to God. And so that's why I would say somebody who's mentally disabled is giving glory to God. Um, the, the, the old person with dementia is, giving, is praising God in a way that nothing else in creation can do. And the, and the unborn, um, you know, newly conceived zygote is giving glory to God in a way that nothing else in creation can do. Okay, we have another question from Mike. Do you have any specific advice, tips, or warnings for unmarried women considering buying a house? Advice, tips, or warnings? Um, yeah, maybe one of each. Um, so advice, I mean, I think I would say, think, you know, don't be afraid of it. Um, I've, there's, there are all of the same opportunities exist, whether you're married or unmarried man or woman, um, in terms of an investment potential. So, um, I think that would be one bit of advice is just is jump into it. Um, I think you're already likely, you know, living with roommates or things, maybe, maybe not living on your own, but there's going to be opportunities to fit your lifestyle no matter what. Um, so there are some, there, there are a lot of opportunities there. Um, and I think similarly to, I mentioned, you know, skills that you can bring into marriage to impress a father-in-law, right? Um, there are a lot worse things than bringing real estate into a marriage. Um, so I wouldn't be, you know, that's, I would say that's probably going to be seen as a positive. Um, and, and it's also, I think, don't, don't be afraid of the time. I think a lot of times, um, it can be easy to be afraid of being seen as settling in your ways, or I'm settled now. This is, this is where I am. This is what I'm doing or fear of that, like being tied down. Um, don't let that, don't let that affect you at all. Um, again, we're in a great town here where if you were to take an opportunity, move somewhere else and, and travel for a while or do something else, having a, a opportunity for passive income, um, or building that wealth through a, a rental property is a great opportunity. So you don't necessarily need to think of buying a house as, Hey, I'm settled. I'm settling in here. I'm, I'm established. Don't, don't come talk to me. Um, I think it's, it's, it, that would be, that would be some advice. And as far as tips, I, I would say it's again, no different than anybody else. Um, except for maybe just, um, your, your group of counselors might be some other friends that you know, or if you have roommates now, take them with you and get their take on stuff. Um, if you go to start looking at homes. All right. We have another question for Toby. If you come under pressure from your employer regarding your faith, what are the biblical standards to use to determine whether we should stay and tough it out or move on to different pastures? Well, the, um, the clearest answer to that is, is the law of God. And so um, pressure to do what? Um, uh, pressure to break God's law? Well, there's your answer. So you, you, you know, whether, um, when it comes down to that kind of thing, if your boss is saying, I need you to fudge this and lie, then you say, I'm a Christian and I can't do that. I'm sorry. Um, I won't do that. Um, if your boss is saying you have to put the rainbow flag on your desk or, you know, on your, um, your, you know, whatever your Facebook uh, profile or whatever, um, 
no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I won't, I won't participate in that. I can't. Um, so if it's the law of God, that's your answer. And, and it's, so then it's, you just, then it's just a simple game of chicken. <laughs> it's like, I won't do that. And so their, their options are to say, okay, or say you're fired. And there you go. That's your answer. So I, I would, you know, stick close to the word of God. If, um, now there may be situations where it's, um, you know, you're getting a lot of snide comments, you're getting passed by for promotions, um, you know, you're not getting, you know, the, all the businesses are getting funneled around you and you know that you're kind of, you're the odd man out. I would say there you pray, you start praying about it and you and just say, Lord, I want to be here as long as you want me here. And as long as I can do any good. And, um, I don't want to be here any longer than that. Right. So you, you just lay that before the Lord, um, where it's, you know, it's not clear yet. Um, and I think you just start praying about it. And, um, and sometimes the Lord opens up a cool opportunity and there you go. I, I would love to do that. Yeah. And there's your out. Or, um, it just becomes more and more clear that the, um, you know, the doors are slamming all around you in your current setup. And, um, and so you need to find a, w a way out, but I would, I'd pray about it, but I would say the, the crystal clear stuff is the law of God, the word of God, and just stick close to that. Um, and, at the same time, I would say, um, uh, sometimes you, you need, you know, Joseph ends up in prison, which isn't, you know, for, for nothing wrong he did. And God used him there for great good. Um, and so um, don't be afraid of being in the hard place for some time, maybe longer than you thought it was a good idea. But God said, no, I think another six months would be really good for your fellow employees to see you there. Um, for you to be a faithful witness there, um, uh, or a year, or three years, or whatever, um, don't be afraid of doing. That. You know, if 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 you're if you're making it, and I, and I would say, um, look for God's blessing as you're praying about it. Look for God's blessing on it. It can you can be in a really hard place, and God's still blessing you. It's not easy, but God's blessing you. You know, maybe you know there. Everybody, you know, you get the snide comments. You're not getting the business, you know, pushed towards you. You're getting passed over promotions. And then you keep getting great deals. You know, you, you make the sale. Um, your boss is like, man, they, you're the best one again. And, you know, or, or whatever. And, and they're kind of upset about you, you know, being the best, you know. Well, then the Lord's blessing you. And it may not be easy, but praise God and, you know, and receive that. Um, All right. Uh, another question for Mike. Would you recommend looking for new construction versus an existing home? Is one inherently more valuable? Um, no, although I wouldn't say one is inherently more valuable. It, again, one of the things that's, that's so great about real estate is every opportunity, every deal, every piece of land is different. So you might find a piece, a new construction that has some good value in it. Typically though, it, it will be similar to a car. Um, not that it's going to, you know, lose value the first year. I mean, it, it's going to continue to grow in value, but really, um, one way to think about it is kind of the reason why manufactured homes traditionally are not a great investment is because the, the, in that case, kind of a vehicle, but the building itself is losing value over time, unless you're adding to it, you know, improving it, growing it and maintenance. So 
um, the same is true for traditional homes. So my, you know, my 1920 farmhouse isn't, it's not that the farmhouse is worth a whole bunch more has grown in value over the years. It's the land that's grown in value. So you're actually typically rule of thumb would be buying an older home um, is going to have more value rather than new construction. Um, some of that is because as things age, they do lose value, but some of it's just in the, um, the other bits of value other than the building itself. Um, one of these, my wife and I, when we, before we bought our home, um, we were looking at raw land to build. Um, we wanted to be out of town, have acreage. And what we found was there were so many little things that you didn't think about that were added value to an existing home, like fencing, um, for us, when we have this cool windmill, um, you know, mature trees, landscaping, all that stuff is, um, is really expensive to put in, but somebody can't really charge more because they happen to have, you know, a tree that's a little bit older. So, um, I typically, yes, it would be, there's a lot more value in an older existing home. Um, but also pitfalls to look out for. Again, you don't want to get caught where, Hey, it looks like such a great deal, but you got to put a $20,000 roof on it next year. So hopefully that helps. Okay. Um, this question is for Toby. It's actually going to be a combination of like three questions that were all kind of the same thing. Um, what do you think healthy guy girl relationships would look like in a Christian community? You talked about not having relationships too close, but the opposite reaction sometimes happens is little to no interaction. What does that balance look like <laughs> now? And then here's part of another one. Cause they all have a little bit different nuance here. Um, so in our community, we have the opposite problem of guys and girls don't know how to interact rather than being too close or too friendly. The consequence is that girls realizing that having a social life is healthy end up initiating everything or so it seems. Whereas the line between one being a considerate, generous Christian friend living in community and two grasping for more friendships and more social life. So it's kind of a lot, but. Um. Just be good. I don't know what's so hard about this. No. Um, yeah, I hear you. Um, I think that um, I guess part of part of my answer would be um, I don't think there's a way to really answer that and say, okay, here's the key. I'll give you the secret. It, it's there's just it's it the 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 word of God says love one another. That's. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm warning you about pitfalls based on the way our culture, the pressures of our culture. And yeah, is it possible to overcorrect? Is it possible to overreact? And so I said, be warm, but distant. And then a bunch of people, guys were like, so I don't have to talk to a girl ever again. <laughs> and I would say, no, that would be rude, right? You, you wouldn't be loving your sisters in Christ. You're to treat the women as mothers and sisters with all purity. Pretty sure you talk to your mom. You better. Pretty sure you talk to your sister. You need to. Um, but it's with all purity. Um, and um, ladies, you are relational creatures and you want to relate to people a lot. And frequently you want more attention um, and demand more attention. Um, then is always reasonable. 
There, I said it. Um, and, and so there's a balancing act here. So yeah, I mean, again, in general, um, guys like, you know, but I could stay home and I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. And, or I could go fishing or I could go hunting or I could play this video game or whatever. Um, and that's a problem. And, but I think there is a flip side of the problem, which is that um, uh, you, can, you can have an ideal or a romantic ideal of, and I don't mean romantic in a romantic sense. I just mean like uh, a sentimental ideal of um, this is what Christian community would be. And we would all, we'd be eating pizza and then they would laugh and then we would tell the joke and then they would go home and it would be great. And, and it's like, well, no, that's a, that can be an idol. Like you just have an image in your head of what you think Christian community is and you made it up and it's a graven image. Where is that in the Bible? It's nowhere. Right? The Bible says, love one another. Be pure. Okay? Which means that each one of you has got to figure out each day how you need to obey God faithfully. And sometimes that will mean like, okay, look, like we, we need to encourage each other. And so we need to do pizza on Friday night. Okay. Cause it's been a while and we need to do that. And that's the right thing to do. It's the obedient thing to do. Why? Because we're Christians. We live here in this community. We're friends and we need to encourage each other and we need to have a good time. And that's a faithful thing to do. And sometimes the faithful thing for you might be there's a pizza party going on on Friday night and I need to not go because it's really important that I have a quiet evening and I am behind in my Bible reading and, um, and I need to just relax. Um, um, I, I need to not make an idol of community and fellowship and friendship or marriage or whatever it is. Um, and so I can't give you the, okay, this is what your schedule will look like and then you will be obedient. You will, you will be just the right amount of warmth and just the right amount of distance. It's 60-40. No, I don't know. You know, it's it's not. It's like those are principles, and you need to apply them. Um, it takes wisdom. It takes adjustments. And and also, different people are different. And in, in terms of even just the, the chemistry between different kinds of people, and and there are certain people who may be fine Christians. They're going to heaven. They love Jesus. And you need to know. I need to give them a little bit more distance, because you fill in the blank, right? Or um, because of whatever circumstances, um, there's, there's more time spent together on different things because of providence, because they're your next door neighbor, because you work with them, um, because whatever, because you end up sitting in the same section of church every Sunday and everything's fine. And it's a great encouragement and it's good. Um, but um, there's, not a, there's not a formula um, for this. It's called wisdom apply the biblical principles and you figure out what you need to do to be faithful and don't, don't be um, holding everybody else to a bar. that's not in the Bible. Okay. It, it, what verse says in the Bible, they have to come every Friday night. It doesn't say that. Okay. Now, if somebody's never come to anything, you might say, why don't you ever come to anything? Right. And encourage them. But, um, but don't, don't be, um, don't, don't make an idol of, of community, an idol of friendship, where you have a graven image in your mind of that perfect way the community will be. No, be faithful, be obedient, worship God, obey him. All right, we have another question for Mike. Is it okay for people to move often? Ooh. 
get it right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to defer to the pastor on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great for realtors if you want to move often. Um, so yeah, go for it. No, I, that's, a, that's a really interesting question. Um, I have to think about that a little bit more. I, my wife and I are actually talking about that as we were um, going over some of the remarks for today. Um, I, I think there's, there's a balance. I think um, similar to what Toby was saying, um, pray about it. It's not like there's a, you have to be rooted in a place. We, for one, we aren't wandering in the desert anymore. Like we, I think God does call us to specific places, but he also calls us away, right? There, there will be times when God's going to call you to another job in another place or, um, and I don't really know if the question meant moving within Moscow or moving broadly, but I'll address them both. I think moving more broadly, again, it's like, look for, don't, um, be very aware of discontent, I guess I would say. Um, it can be easy to always think the grass is greener. Um, again, kind of like Pastor Wilson about um, marriage fixing your problems. Sometimes you think that going somewhere else, moving to another town, these are Moscow problems. If I just move somewhere else, I'll get married right away. Or I'll know wherever you go, there you are. Um, so beware of that temptation. Um, but again, seek, seek the Lord in prayer. Um, if he's calling you or there's a really great opportunity somewhere else, I guess don't, don't be afraid of moving. Um, but also similarly, don't be afraid of being rooted, of, of digging into a place. Um, I, we actually, my family has had criticism for like, well, you don't know how things are. You've always been in Moscow, you know, that's just ridiculous. You know, don't be afraid of, of living in a community that's wonderful, enjoying it, being settled, um, and feel like you need to have that adventure or those troubles or experiences elsewhere because you're going to take it with you. Um, on a more practical local side, um, moving often, um, um, again, I would kind of use that two-year rule if you're talking about the practicality financial side or within town. Again, you might have some flip opportunities, um, but one of the best ways is going to be, you know, at least every, or at the most every two years, because there's a lot of tax advantages um, to doing that. Um, but again, once you're married and are raising kids, um, you might want to slow that down a little bit. It can, it can be rough on, on families moving every two years and renovating and constantly doing that stuff, um, he said from experience. <laughs> Okay, this is going to be the last question uh, for Toby. If your career consists of designing art for clients, how do you navigate following a more postmodern aesthetic, which the world accepts and sees as beautiful, versus adhering more to an objectively beautiful aesthetic, which may not be as in vogue? All right. Um, I guess I would just say there's a difference between um, art that you're creating and um, and you are uh, presenting as beautiful and being hired um, uh, to do art for somebody. And so, so long as you're not being asked to do something immoral, um, I, I don't think there's a, a problem with, you know, serving your client. And so if, if, the, if the aesthetic that's in vogue is, is more postmodern, um, I think you're free to give your opinions. You're free to say, you know, I don't think this looks as good, but, um, but if you're, um, 
being hired by someone who says, yeah, it's fine, but this is what I want. Um, and, and, uh, you know, make it look a little more chaotic over here and a little more wild over there. Cause you know, that's, that's how I'm going to sell this, um, product or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't think it's a problem for you to do what they're asking you to do. Um, and I think you just, I think you just make that distinction in your mind without capitulating, without, without just saying, and so there's no standard for it. Doesn't matter. Um, if you're a hired hand, you're a hired hand and, um, you can give your opinion as, as it's um, helpful and, um, suggest other options. But, um, if it's not immoral and they think this is going to help them sell their product better, um, I'd say, um, I think you're free in Christ to make them a, uh, you know, a messy PR campaign, you know, and, um, it's, um, it's serving their needs, um, and do it to the best of your ability. Thank you very much.